of the Completion Podcast, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 386 of the SBPA Compliance Report. Today, the SBPA Compliance Report is sponsored by my new book, The Complete Compliance Handbook, which is available on my site, www.fcpacompliancereport.com and amazon.com. The Complete Compliance Handbook is a one-stop shop for the best practices as currently articulated by the Department of Justice. It specifically includes the 2017 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs and the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. Both were added last year, and there's another single volume which incorporates both of those into their work. If you're a compliance practitioner or a lawyer advising those on compliance, this is the book for you. Please check it out on Amazon.com or for an autographed copy, check out my website where you listen to this podcast. Today I have with me Rick Pearl. Rick is the Global Corporate Responsibility Officer at State Street Global, and he's here to report on the company's 2017 Corporate Responsibility Report. It is a a look at what State Street Global accomplished in 2017. It gives you lots of pointers for your compliance program going forward. I know you will enjoy it. FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. I'm Fox, and I am back for another episode. You are in for a real treat today because I have Rick Pearl. He is the Global Corporate Responsibility Officer for State Street Corporation, and he's here today to visit with us about State Street's 2017 Corporate Responsibility Report. So, Rick, first of all, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to visit with me. My pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me. Rick, uh, this uh, this report I thought was just a fabulous document, not just reporting on, obviously, uh, State Street, but really uh, I, I thought it's got a lot of le- lessons for the compliance profession and a lot of uh, great cutting-edge uh, compliance tools, techniques, and strategies that straight State Street uses. So I was wondering if uh, you might be able to tell us what's the purpose of such an annual report? Yeah, it's it's it goes back a ways, Tom. Quite honestly, we we first started we first issued a report, a corporate responsibility report, in two thousand three, and at that time, um, you know, it it was in re- a result of the fact that um, the Europeans were moving forward with enhanced environmental reporting, um, and we felt that as a global um, financial services provider, we needed to kind of keep up with the Joneses, and so we did a little bit of research on what our environmental footprint was going to be and, and you know, issued kind of a, a very preliminary report. It's gotten a lot more uh, complex and intricate. And, you know, the, the even the nomenclature that we utilized back then, you know, triple bottom line reporting and so forth has changed significantly. The buzzwords now are ESG, environmental, social, and governance. And I think the area that... Um, you know, you're you're honing in on is is clearly in the governance feel and the way that we um, uh, manage risk and 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 uh, ethical issues and compliance in general. But um, even the environmental components that we report on are 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 much much more significant and researched than they were back uh, 15 years ago. And then social issues such as human rights and diversity. Um, community investing and, and health of the communities um, has, has uh, increased. So 
the purpose originally was to keep up with Joneses, the Joneses, so to speak, and to show that we were a good um, community partner and corporate citizen. Uh, but now the purpose, I think, has expanded to the point where the investment community is actually utilizing information in these reports uh, to develop indices or to develop approaches on which companies are, um, you know, the, the the priorities for them to invest in based on their analysis. Because as you would imagine, those who are attentive to issues around the environment or society or governance um, are fairly well managed. And I think we've seen there's a correlation between those who focus on these issues um, and how well managed they are. And therefore, that, that does impact, um, you know, uh, how, how we, we rate them as a company, as an investable company. So that's, that's kind of the 15-year uh, uh, history in, in, a, in a nutshell, but it's, it, it's evolved. It's, it's really something that not only the investment community, but our clients, uh, the communities in which we operate, uh, and quite honestly, Tom, um, our, our own employees are really interested in. Um, so that, that, that's a long answer, but it's a, it's a complex and um, it, it's developed over time, the, the whole rationale behind um, the purpose of it. So Rick, there were several things that struck me that were really specific, kind of uh, very tactical uh, strategies utilized by State Street. And really the first one was that uh, uh, risk and compliance is uh, the responsibility of everyone literally from the shop floor uh, to the board of directors and to mm -hmm. the boardroom. And you have three lines of defense, um, uh, or rather, uh, I was wondering if you might be able to detail the philosophy behind that. Yeah, I, quite honestly, Tom, I think it's the, it, it has been an uh, underlying assumption that um, anyone in an organization is responsible for risk and compliance. But I think what we've done is, is really give some guideposts to our employees as to, you know, how they should proceed and to, to make clear that, in fact, they are the first line of defense. Um, so, you know, we are all responsible in our various business lines for adhering to um, the risk management principles that have been set out by the corporation. So if there's an issue, if we if we flag something that doesn't uh, you know look right to us, or 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 you know check us against our internal or or the frameworks that we check against, then you know there's a second line of defense, which is our enterprise risk management and uh, compliance groups, uh, and they help us to um, make the determinations and then to establish and monitor um, the frameworks. And then finally, um, the third line of defense is, is corporate audit, and, and you know, they provide uh, uh, some independent assurance relative to risk management and, and control. So I guess the main point is never assume that those who, are, who have you know, risk and compliance uh, in their titles are, are the ones who are um, responsible for the day-to-day -day, uh, evaluation and oversight of risk uh, it, it, it's all of us, whether it's in my role as the global corporate responsibility officer or someone on one of State Street's many business units. Uh, we are all, you know, the first uh, the first filter, if you will. 
So, but that uh, that philosophy really seems to go all the way up to the board of directors. Right. It looks like you have risk committees reporting to the board. I was wondering if you might give us a few thoughts about the board's role in all this. Yeah, I think the board, um, obviously, the um, uh, there there is a risk committee on the board, and um, it, it's it's one of the key central elements of State Street's board of directors and governance um, framework. And so, um, you know, the, the the head of risk, Andy Karitskis, is um, is is on that committee and. Um, it, it assists the board in fulfilling its oversight responsibilities um, relating to our overall global risk management framework. Um, they review, they discuss with management, um, State Street's assessment and management um, applicable to the operations. And I think um, having committees in place provides, you know, a comprehensive oversight to a very wide range of issues related to risk, compliance, and ethics. Uh, you know, it's it's not just something that's happening in the financial services world. Um, as an investor company, we're also looking at the risk frameworks for companies that you know we hold as part of our portfolios for our for our clients. So, um, I, I think that we do have a a pretty thorough approach to this. And as you said, it's from the ground floor all the way up to the board level. She had a great phrase around creating accountability, which uh, State Street utilizes, which is find once, fix many. I was wondering if you could give us a few words on what that means to either you or State Street. Well, I'm glad you like that, Tom. I can't, I can't claim credit for it, unfortunately, but uh, I think it's pretty clever myself. I think the, um, the basic premise of this is that if you have multiple business units, um, and if there is a flaw in uh, systems, for example, if you find it and you fix it, make sure that you're sharing that solution with others across uh, across the business line. So we did develop a control structure led by our business control executives for each line of the business last year. Um, and, you know, those teams help establish programs that improve our internal controls and compliance efforts. So that whole concept of um, finding an issue once and fixing it before it's an issue for other divisions or business units, that, hence the, the terminology, find once, fix many. So I think it's, it, it's really a part of that first line of defense that we talked about um, a minute ago. And, and, you know, this definitely strengthens our first line of defense because it's making people more aware of the fact that there are shared responsibilities or best practices that we can uh, utilize to help one another. Rick, if I could now turn to some questions on what I think uh, may be one of the more uh, uh, issues that are at least in the front of people's minds now, which is information security. You, The report has some, I thought, some great, uh, once again, tactics, techniques, and strategies that State Street employs, but also could be considered by other employees. And I wanted to ask you specifically about um, a phrase you guys use called supplier assessment strategies. What does that mean and how does State Street use that? That's a good, that's a great question, Tom. And and I think it's really interesting because information security, as we know, is an extraordinarily important topic to um, to people nowadays, uh, and it should be <laughs> going forward. Um, so supplier assessment strategies 
in essence, if you boil it down, it means uh, it's, a, it's, our, it's our strategies to pinpoint best-in-class processes, technology, and tools to help in reaching um, our risk management objectives um, uh, through our you know, supply chain. We're making sure that we're partnering with organizations that have the same um, same or, 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 or better uh, levels of scrutiny and, and oversight on um, these issues that we do. Um, some of, uh, you know, I've got an example, in, you know, from fin financial services standpoint, um, these strategies drive the development of in our negotiations and contracting, and so we're hoping to deliver real value while minimizing risks, because there's two there's two parts of that equation, right? It's maximum uh, driving value, but you also don't want to uh, go with the uh, lowest bid if, in fact, it increases the level of risk. So it's it's a uh, an assessment that we use to take into account all factors um, to make sure that we're you know we've got the best. Uh, business partners and um, services of, of possible to help us not only from a cost management standpoint, but also from a risk management stand, standpoint. So one of the things that has always impressed me about State Street Global has been its continued drumbeat for responsible sourcing programs. And yeah. you've really paired that, uh, what I, I guess might be called an ESG initiative, yet with a, a business perspective and a business process, which allows you to uh, have multi-level assessments of vendors and service providers going forward. And I know I threw a lot together in that, but could you maybe <laughs> comment on uh, really how you've used this ESG initiative What I, and in, in the way I see as a business process for responsible sourcing going forward? Right. Well, I think it's 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 in line with this whole approach to risk in general. And so if there's increased intention on a company's environmental impact and it might affect their ability to provide us with products or services, um, we need to take a look at that. And so we've um, or or if there's they're developing their products and services in an area of the world where um, human rights is an issue. Um, you know, we need to be aware of that and, and cognizant of the fact that that might impact their abilities to deliver uh, the services to us. And so what we're doing is screening suppliers to ensure that their practices are consistent with our values um, and also that their practices or their policies regarding environmental or labor issues, human rights, societal issues in general, are in line with ours, and and we do set standards uh, that identify suitable suppliers uh, as well as negotiating the prices. And so, uh, in our RFPs and master service agreements, we have language that talks about um, you know what are you what are you doing from an environmental sustainability standpoint or, or what's your approach to uh, human rights and, and, and making sure that it's not part of your, your overall supply chain uh, because this is, these are areas that, you know, we're particularly interested in. So um, our procurement team, as well as our third party risk management group do a great job in, in establishing the framework. Um, but it's an ongoing process as, as you might imagine. Um, 
the work that is being done, and it's not just by State Street, but other large corporations, is, is just making sure that the folks that we're partnering with and doing business with have the same level of attention that we do, because quite honestly, you can control what you're doing within your four walls quite well, but then a lot of times um, uh, there is, there's damage if you're associated with um, business partners who aren't quite as attentive. Um, and, you know, we, we, and companies such as State Street or others have to be um, cognizant of that. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's in-depth. It's taken some time to develop. It's ongoing. Um, there are still components to be worked on, but I think, it's, I think it's going to be just a common best practice now amongst companies large and small. We, you, know, you need to know who you're doing business with and, um, and how they're, they're going about bringing forth the, the services or the products that you need. So I really appreciate how State Street has incorporated the ESG screening for value creation. But I, I guess, Rick, for me, what takes State Street to the next level is it actually uh, uh, believes in innovation for value creation. And in, indeed, you've got an entire section in the report about mm. innovation extending to the development of entirely new product lines and service models that might meet the expectation of a changing market. And I was wondering if you could just give a few words on really – what I think is innovative, which is this innovation for value creation and how you incorporate that into your decision-making process. Certainly. Um, absolutely. It, you know, uh, our asset management group, State Street Global Advisors, has been um, issuing products and services around environmental, social, or governance issues for quite some time uh, to our institutional investors. I, I, I believe, you know, the first formal product goes back into the 1980s, 1986, to be precise, and they've expanded on that work. Um, you know, there's there are low carbon ETFs, there's a gender equity ETF, etc. But we we firmly believe that there are cl clients of ours out there who are uh, uh, equally uh, interested in knowing um, the impact of their portfolios on some of these societal issues. And so in 2017, our global exchange business developed um, a business called, a, it's called ESGX. Um, and what we're doing is uh, pulling together various and multiple uh, data sources um, <clears throat> on, on companies to develop a, a, uh, a tool that will provide our, our investors some insight into the impacts that their uh, portfolios or the, or the investable companies in their portfolios are having on, let's just say, the environment for the, for the uh, sake of clarity on, in, in some instances, um, so we can give them an environmental score. Um, if, if the investors are more interested in human rights, we can pull an investment, uh, we can pull a, a, a score on that. And it's, 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 um, it's a fast developing technology and product idea that I'm sure is going to be of interest because let's face it, the, the same norms that the um, investment community have been looking at for 80, 90 years are changing. There's now factors that you know, some people are calling non-financial uh, information. I like to call it extra financial information. And it's, again, it's about that analysis of the risks 
as well as the opportunities of investing in companies. So it's, it's really uh, exciting for me as the Global Corporate Responsibility Officer to see how our business units are integrating these philosophies uh, into their products and services and how they can help uh, their clients to have a better understanding of the impact their investments are having on the world at large. So you're right, um, Tom, it's, it's exci- it is exciting, and um, it's, it's one of those areas that I think is going to be just developing even, even more broadly in the, in the future. So, Rick, unfortunately, uh, we're getting near the end of our time, but I was wondering if anyone wanted to, uh, to read uh, both the full report uh, and the uh, uh, summary report, uh, how would they find them on the Straight State Street website? Yeah, it's, uh, we try to make it as simple as possible, Tom. If they go to www.statestreet.com backslash values, um, there's a whole section on corporate responsibility, uh, corporate citizenship, which talks about our community investments. Uh, there's environmental tab in there with, where we have our policies and um, uh, statistics. Um, uh, we, we, we measure certain areas like carbon dioxide emissions and water consumption and recycling. So if they, if they use that, they'll find uh, the full report, uh, which is a fairly dense document. Um, it's, it follows the Global Reporting Initiative's um, guidelines and template. And then there's the overview, which is a, a quicker read to kind of set the tone for where you want to look for more information. So that's that's where they would go to, to get it. It's all public info. Rick, this has just been a great exploration of not only the uh, State Street corporate res- uh, 2017 Corporate Responsibility Report, but uh, even more important to me, a lot of techniques, strategies, and tools that uh, your company and lots of other companies may be able to utilize going forward. I really wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate it. And I enjoyed it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast and help get out the word about the only weekly podcast wrapping up all things FCPA and compliance. Also, the longest running podcast in compliance. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you'll join us again next week for another episode. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.